Everybody knows that for the Christmas season, there are tons of movies that are coming out. And they vary from, you know, people singing and dancing and flying about. Uh, It varies from people living under the sea and being superheroes underwater. And it also varies on true stories. So I guess in this little episode of A Sneak Peek and a First Look, we'll cover it all. (laughs) (laughs) The critic got a chance to see the new movie On the Basis of Sex, which comes out Christmas Eve. And it is a star-studded cast, I would have to say. It's directed by, first, Mimi Letter. And you may have known her from, you know, she produced The Leftovers and, you know, things of that nature. Uh, It also was written by Daniel Stiepelman. So there you go with that. Cast. Uh, Felicity Jones. Uh, 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 Hello. Plays Ruth herself. Um, Army Hammer is there. Justin Theroux, which of course he's going to show up. Sam Waterston, Kathy Bates. You got all kinds of people. You got Stephen Root. Yes, I was waiting. <laughs> I love it when he shows up among other people. So this is somewhat based on a true story and someone we've recently been seeing in the news a lot lately, especially her bio, her, uh, her uh, documentary, I believe. Yes, RBG, right? Yeah. Um, so, On the Basis of Sex tells the story of now Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yeah. And how she first came to the attention of the legal world and history via a landmark gender discrimination case. However, before it dives into that legal battle, it sets the stage by introducing us to Ruth on her first day at Harvard Law School in the year 1956. Hmm. Now, we witness a sea of men dressed in blacks, grays, and browns as they march to the school. You have the drum rolls. Jeez. But in their midst is Ruth, clad in a wonderfully blue coat. And after Ruth finds a seat to hear the dean's welcome to the students, she and we are told that this school is focused on churning out the Harvard man. Ooh. Also, Ruth realizes that she's not the only female in the incoming class. A few other women are there to share her plight, and they all must justify why they should be at the school instead of the qualified men who weren't accepted because of them to this dean over dinner. (laughs) Now, Ruth is also married and has an infant daughter. And her husband, Marty, is also a student at Harvard Law. Oh. But he's in his second year. Gotcha. And boy, do they make a lovely couple. However, not long after the beginning of Ruth's studies, tragedy strikes. Marty's, yeah, Marty's diagnosed with a life-threatening illness, which forces Ruth to take over all the family's responsibilities and double her course load in order to keep Marty on track. And then we skip forward in time to when Ruth has just graduated from law school, which goes down in a wholly impressive yet unexpected fashion, to say the least. And it's time for her to be employed by a law firm. Now, as the top student of her graduating class, 
Firms should be falling all over themselves to hire her. Huh. But what do you think happened? I don't think so. And so after facing rejection after rejection, Ruth becomes a professor at Rutgers University, while Marty finds himself on the fast track as a tax lawyer. Of course. Then time passes again, and we're in the 70s. Ruth and Marty now have a young son, and their daughter is now a 15-year-old who marches for women's equality and argues with her mom about that and other things in typical teenage fashion. In addition, Ruth continues to struggle against the sexism of the times, but an opportunity arises. Through an old friend of hers who's an ACLU attorney, Ruth lands her first client, whose case has a chance to be the first win in the battle against gender discrimination because... The client is a man. Ooh. Yeah. Also, that's why this is called On the Basis of Sex. It's about gender. However, this case proves to be the challenge of Ruth's life. After all, this could be the seminal moment in the legal advancement of the women's rights movement by setting much needed precedent. Or it could backfire and harden the current laws against women's equality in disastrous ways. Yeah, so does Ruth, along with Marty, who's her co-counsel and their allies, do they have what it takes to make history? Or is the challenge just too much to overcome in the face of the forces of history? Now look, the thing about this movie that holds it back from being excellent is how it's structured. It's a movie in chapters, but it doesn't clearly tell you when one chapter ends and another begins. Yeah. Yeah. For instance, Ref, while uh, Ruth's time in law school is just a prologue to this film's true focus, you don't know that at the beginning. And actually, I found that section of the movie the most interesting. Hmm. I thought that the chemistry between Felicity Jones as Ruth and Army Hammer as Marty was lovely. And I enjoyed seeing Ruth as the most confident fish out of water you've ever seen. Hmm. So when without warning, they skip through huge, just huge swaths of that story. It's disappointing. Yeah. Also, it forces the audience to reset in preparation for the court case. That's this film's main focus, uh, which causes a dip in the momentum. I mean, they simply could have given each chapter a name on screen, which would have made the omission of some of the most interesting parts of this story less jarring. That would have set expectations more effectively. Also, in regarding uh, in regard to the writing overall, much of it is standard biopic writing. That's writing by checklist. There are a few gems, but most of them are the result of the story itself, not from some sort of script- scriptural insight. Uh, even still, Let's go back to the good. This movie is good enough to warrant a watch for moviegoers who are interested in a fictionalized introduction to Ruth's story and who like period pieces. The cast, led by a highly prepared Felicity Jones, works well together and does as much as it can with the straightforward storytelling. I mean, look, you put Felicity Army, Justin Theroux, Sam Waterston, Stephen Root, and Kathy Bates in the same cast, you can't go wrong. No, you can't. And here's where I'm going to end speaking of that. If you want to know what acting is all about, take a look at Kathy Bates. Woo! Whose character Dorothy Kenyon deserves her own movie (laughs) starring Kathy Bates. Okay? You see, Kathy understands that while it's all fine and good to give your character a backstory as an actor, the real job 
is to tell the story of the immediate conflicts in the scene. For instance, what your character had for breakfast that morning is irrelevant <laughs> unless it affects what your character has to do in the scene. So please, actors, do what Kathy does. Get to the heart of the matter and rest assured that that's enough regardless of how much screen time you're given. Mm, that's pretty good. Yeah, okay. So we talked about that's just in time for Christmas, but a movie that's already in theaters that the ref got to see, I'm jealous. Yeah. Uh -huh. Is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, an animated movie? What? Yeah, I know. Now, this is directed by three people, Bob Persichetti, Peter Ramsey, and Rodney Rothman. It is, of course, based on uh, the original Spider-Man by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko, but the Miles Morales Spider-Man character was created by Brian Michael Bendis and Sarah Pacelli. And the screenplay is uh, written by Phil Lord and Rodney Rothman, who was one of those directors again. Now, it stars Shamik Moore as Miles. Mm. And we also have in the cast Jake Johnson, Haley Steinfeld, Mahershala. Yeah. He just has one name now. Brian Tyree Henry, <laughs> Lily Tomlin, Nicolas Cage, Lee F. Schreiber, and others. Whoa. Zoe Kravitz, yeah. Yeah, so tell us, Ref. Is this the Spider-Man we've all been waiting for? <laughs> well, I'll say this first. Here's the plot. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is complicated because, yes, it does say Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. This is a Sony movie mm. so or animation. So it's not, we're not going to see Iron Man popping in and Thor and all these other cross uh, breeds. This is in, you're going to see Spider-Man and then, others <laughs> following through uh so we start off with this young kid named miles he is a typical kid it's in new york city he's extremely smart so he goes to this boarding school uh not boarding school but the school that he lives at i guess it is kind of a boarding school yeah. um five days a week and then he comes home on the weekend his dad is a cop his mom is a i believe some sort of nurse uh he is half puerto rican and half black so this isn't your typical spider-man movie already yeah along the way he has this great relationship with his uncle aaron played by mahershala ali oh boy his uncle aaron's not really talking to his dad but you know this is the uncle that because miles likes to do graffiti this is the uncle that will take you to do the graffiti and keep it on the low uh, so it's that type of uncle. Uh, although Miles is very popular in school, he still, you know, is a typical teenage boy. Well, one night, as he's visiting his uncle, they go and do what they do, graffiti. And he's bitten by a specific spider. Hmm. You know that spider. You know what the spider is. <laughs> and Miles now has powers that he has no idea where they've come from and no idea how to use them. Meanwhile, Spider-Man, who's at this stage, basically in his, you know, early to mid twenties, he is like, he's been Spider-Man for a while. He's saved New York City so many times you can't even count. The city loves him while well, something happens. Mm. Something very tragic happens. Hmm. 
and the whole city is shook because there is a bad guy on the loose and his name is Wilson Fisk. Now, some of you are like, oh, hold on. That's <laughs> Daredevil's nemesis. No, no. If you're, if you're a really avid reader of the comics, Wilson Fisk is a uh, nemesis of anybody in New York City. So if you're <laughs> some <laughs> sort of superhero, he will be there. <laughs> um, but there's something that tragic, tragic happens. Meanwhile, Miles stumbles across this tragedy, but he also stumbles across this machine that is able to take people from other dimensions, other time uh, lines, I guess. Mm -hmm. Is that whatever happens in the Flash that you talk about, those alternate universes? Yeah. He's able to take people from there and bring them into this one. So what is Fisk up to? Because something tragic happened to him as well. And he's trying to use this machine to get a certain somebody that we know he loves. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say who. You know who it is. Mm. Uh, and so in this, this event that Miles witnessed, in the midst of tragedy, he also witnesses something else. Other people. Other people with his abilities. Other people who are like Spider-Man. From this dimension, guess what? Another Spider-Man comes through. Of course. And they together have to figure out a way to save New York City because if Wilson Fisk uses this machine again, what will happen is the entire city will be swallowed up into this some sort of vortex. (laughs) Don't ask me to explain what it is. That's the gist of the plot. Now... Why am I talking about this animated movie? (laughs) Well, first of all, the cast is absolutely amazing, and it was free, so I went to see it. (laughs) Also, on top of that, this isn't your typical superhero movie, obviously, because it's animated, but for other reasons, it's definitely diving deeper into the world of Spider-Man and the alternate Spider-Mans that the comic book world has seen. For example, Gwen Stacy. You may have heard or seen a comic book from from her. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about Spider-Ham? Yes, <laughs> that was also one of the comic books. What about Penny Parker, which is more the anime kind of Spider-Man? What about Spider-Man Noir? So basically what you're getting is you're getting all of these alternate Spider-Man um, comic books come to life and working together to stop Fisk. Now, I was in a movie and a showing with a bunch of kids. <laughs> and in that showing, you know immediately if something's working or not because kids will tell you. Yeah. And I'll have to say that this Spider-Man, although it's entertaining for the, uh, perhaps I would say because it's a little, there's a little violence, maybe for the, the nine-year-old up to the 13, 14 year old, it's entertaining. It's really those 14 and over and not for any graphic reasons or no pun intended, but um, um, it's really for older kids and then older kids at heart. Those, some of you teenage boys who are really 32. (laughs) (laughs) It's really for you. Why? Because of this and we can move on. Spider-Man has heart. Spider-Man Into the Universe has heart. And we're in this whole thing where a villain is not quite a villain. A villain has dimensions. A villain has complexities. A villain could have been once good. 
So there are several villains in this, and one in particular that I won't tell you about specifically, but it's someone who uh, definitely affects Miles, and it creates, you know, some dramatic moments that this animation took liberty at taking. And it didn't work for the kids, you know, who really wanted to see more action than not. Mm. But it did work for some of the adults. So I will say this. If you're interested in seeing some excellent voiceover work from uh, Shmeek, I mean, Miles Morales sounds exactly the way he looks. But then when you look at the person who's doing the voiceover work for him, he's, you know, a young man. Mm-hmm. And he just does an amazing job. Some of the best work out there. Wow. Uh, if you want to see uh, something different this Christmas season, if you don't want to, there's some drama, but then there's some exciting things. And you're not, it's not your typical like Wreck-It Ralph. It's not your typical um, uh, animation. This might be for you. If you're kind of tired of the superhero thing and you want something a little different, this might be for you. It'll work in the theater, certainly, and it'll also work at home. But the question really is, how much are you willing to pay for it? (laughs) Well, it is the season of giving. So we'll see whether that affects anyone's decisions. Again, we have, hey, on the basis of sex, uh, that is coming out for Christmas, especially, and already out again, everybody, as the ref just beautifully told us, is Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. You can't go wrong either way for this holiday season. You don't need it to be perfect. You just need it to be worth it. Mm. 